Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of Brown Girls Read Podcast. This is your host Aman Tiwana and this is Kathy Thakur and both of us love reading books. On this podcast we bring our favorite books to you every month and discuss the parts that were most meaningful to us and how we found them interesting or relatable as brown girls. Today we are discussing Ikigai by Hector Garcia. Before we begin our discussion, Kathy, let's give our listeners an overview of the book. Ikigai is a Japanese word that roughly translates to the happiness of always being busy. This book is more of an introduction to a variety of different topics including logotherapy, longevity, flow, tai chi, yoga, meditation and so on. It also tells you what effect all these things has on your happiness and how they could help you find your purpose. Before we dive into the discussion, let's take a short break. and we'll be back after a quick word from our sponsor you know kathy when we decided to read this book i was super excited because i have been seeing that venn diagram of ikigai for a while now where they show how there's an overlap between things that you are good at things that give you meaning things that can pay you well and things that the world needs and i have been very curious about that tiny overlap how do you find that one thing that fits it all I know to give a little overview of what Taman was talking about there's this Venn diagram in Ikigai that is basically it's saying that Ikigai is a combination of these four things which is your passion your mission your profession and your vocation one of the very first sentences in the book is according to the japanese everyone has an ikigai some people have found their ikigai while others are still looking for it and i think I have always believed in this concept of ikigai even when I didn't know the word for it. I think I've always believed that everyone, each and every person in this world has something that they get out of bed for in the morning. Although I have found through my personal experiences that it is not easy to find your ikigai and you might never find it in your lifetime. <laughs> That's so inspiring. <laughs> Actually like have you found these four things in your life, Taman? I might have found four different things but I definitely do not have any overlap between them. I know it's actually difficult to find an overlap, you know. Yeah, I think like I may have overlap here and there but that tiny overlap between all four, I don't know how you get there. And that's why I think I wanted to read this book so bad. Yeah, me too. And like you said, according to Japanese, everyone has an ikigai. They believe that having a clearly defined ikigai brings them satisfaction, happiness, and meaning. And what I found really interesting was that in Japanese, there is apparently no word which means retirement. And the world that we live in, it's all about work, 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 hustle hard, and then you can retire early with a good amount of money in your bank. Yeah, you're right. I think this was more like. the idea of the generation before ours like a parents generation used to think they have to work hard till 60 and then they retire the whole point of finding your ikigai is that you don't feel like you're working your work seems like fun because you enjoy it and when you have found something like that you actually don't want to retire i guess yeah i think you're right if you have found something you really enjoy you probably don't see it as work whereas there are people who just go to work for paycheck and that's a totally different kind of life then you would definitely look forward to that end goal of retirement 
Right. And you know, like when I think about this Ikigai, it's like if my profession, my vocation and my passion and my mission combines, I wouldn't even feel like I'm working even one day. And that would just be like fun for me every day. Yeah, that's right. One thing that this book talks a lot about is longevity. They discuss how the keys to it are diet, exercise and Ikigai, along with forming strong social ties, like have a good broad circle of friends and family relations. I feel it's not really new information to me, but the reiteration of it is still very important, I think. I don't know why people are so obsessed with living longer. I don't want to live for a very long time. (laughs) Already this life is so demotivating and difficult to spend. And here, you know, people are like, they want to live for 120 years and you have to find your purpose in life. Oh my God, it's so (laughs) difficult. I know. I definitely do not want to live for 120 years. I think for the longest time, I used to think 60 years is a good end age for a person. But I realized recently I have shifted it somehow to 70, 75. So maybe as you grow older, you keep pushing that mental finish line for yourself. And then somehow you end up wanting to live for 120 years. Maybe. But although I do not want to live for a long time, I completely agree with what is said in the book that keeping your mind exercised is as important as physical exercise. And this is why it is so important to step outside of your comfort zone, I think. On that note, what was the last thing that you did that took you out of your comfort zone? I think that definitely has to be the thing that we started together, making the YouTube videos. I have always been a very shy person and I never thought I would make a video of myself and put it on the internet universe for everyone or anyone to see. (laughs) So that is definitely taking me out of that comfort zone. Let's do some shameless self-promotion here. (laughs) (laughs) We have started this series of YouTube videos where we create new cocktail recipes and talk about these inspiring women who these recipes are dedicated to. You can find these videos on our channel on YouTube, Brown Girl Street. Since we are on the topic of longevity, one thing that's definitely not good for that is stress. It was surprising for me to know that the brain associates a ping of a cell phone or an email notification with the threat of a predator. Actually, now that I think about it, maybe that's why I started keeping my phone on silent now. Like subconsciously, I think I was noticing anxiety in myself whenever I heard that ping. I know what you mean. I think I realized this maybe last year or so. Slowly, I was just getting annoyed with all these notifications that would come. And one by one, I started turning off notifications. Now my phone is just super silent all the time. Right. I also read this book called Indistractable by Neeria. And he talks about the same thing a lot, how devices are actually making our lives much more stressful without us even realizing. And he mentions sensory organs taking all the information all the time from whatever sources, even if we are not actively engaging, and that keeps increasing the stress for us. Like if we are in front of screens all day, or if we are in noisy places, that is like subconscious stress. You could be watching Netflix and be on your phone at the same time. All of it adds up and we don't realize it. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Also, Ikigai is talking about ways to reduce stress. And one of the ways that they mention is by practicing mindfulness, which can be achieved through meditation and yoga. So I have a question for you. Have you tried any of these things, specifically meditation? I have. 
meditation is something that i still struggle with like i will be good for a few days then one day i do, don't want to do it and then the whole routine is gone i think probably i am more mindful when i do things like journaling and all meditation seems like a workout to me which i need to push myself a lot for oh interesting i have tried meditation a lot of times as well actually meditation has helped me overcome a lot of things in my life but i have never been able to make it a practice i do it for like 6 months and then i leave it again and then since then i haven't done that i haven't meditated so yeah, yeah think- that's what i meant by the workout like thing like you can go to gym for 6 months straight and then one week vacation and then you don't feel like going back yeah actually interestingly and i have been ashamed of saying that but i am trying not to be working out is actually my meditation like i do it every day and i think my body and my mind like just pushes me to work out and if i don't work out a day i i feel that something is missing in my life oh, that's Basically, awesome you combine two things there <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know if specifically meditation helps you to reduce stress but i think anything that you like to do like you know that keeps you mindful or in the flow basically could be a form of meditation yeah i think there's no right way to do it that's why i feel like if i journal i feel equal amount of relaxed as i would have probably with the meditation session yeah also i had another question do you have some tips for reducing stress in your daily life <laughs> i think i'm probably the worst choice to go to with this question because i am stressed about every minor thing in my life and <laughs> maybe that's why i do know a few things that work for me if i go for a walk it helps me de-stress and then listening to music is another thing but the biggest for me probably would be making some alone time in my life because sometimes i'll just feel burnt out with all the social commitments we have and then our work and i feel like i haven't spent time with myself which could oh. just be reading or just sitting in a room alone with my thought but just feeling like this is my sacred time i think that right. that helps me a lot yeah and one more thing i don't want to sound like a nutritionist but i do notice a big difference that if i'm eating good healthy things my stress levels are much better as opposed to if i'm just you know hogging on junk for days yeah i think that makes a difference and even in ikigai they have mentioned a 80% secret which means fill your belly to 80% only yeah and- i love that Yeah, me too. I also feel that it is something that I have a hard time doing, especially in this quarantine life where <laughs> I think I have been living completely opposite to that principle. I have been eating 80% more after I fill my belly. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that's true for a lot of us right now. But I think when I was reading this book, I felt like if there's only one thing I can take away from this book, it would be this 80% rule. I want to practice that when I notice that I am almost full I should just stop eating. I feel it's another way of being mindful too, right? Like not right. just eating distracted, you are actually paying attention to how your body is feeling. Yeah. I also think we have been fed all these images of overeating as a sign of appreciation for good food. Now after reading this and actually thinking about it, I think it's such an absurd idea. Yeah, it is. when they show like all those huge ass burgers in like oh. all these advertisements and you're like how can someone possibly eat this they show like people have eaten so much now they are dying because of how much they have eaten and that proves that food was delicious 
Yeah. <laughs> and also our own upbringing, right? If you ate just two rotis and said, I'm done, whoever made food would be like, how, how dare you be done? Like, is this not tasting good to you? It's almost offensive to eat less because the cook will find it odd. There are some interesting therapies mentioned in the book that claim that they can help you find your purpose. One is logotherapy and the other one is marita therapy. Logotherapy helps you find your reasons to live and in turn helps you to find your purpose. So basically like it will push patients to consciously discover their life's purpose in order to confront what they have been feeling. And then their quest to fulfill their destiny will push them forward. I find this concept very intriguing. But it seemed like logotherapy is actually based around this idea that, okay, so something bad has happened to you. But think about it. It could have been worse. And that's how you, your mind becomes calm. For instance, sometimes I'm like, okay, so there was no electricity today at home. But at least I didn't die. <laughs> that's a great perspective you have. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I have always found logotherapy very interesting. Ever since I read the book, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, who's actually the founder of the school of therapy. So like you said, logotherapy basically pushes people to consciously discover their life's purpose, which actually gives meaning to their lives and also motivates them to get past any hurdles. I really like how at the core of it, it challenges you to get better and do better and find a meaning for yourself. And I think a lot of it is also because of how Viktor Frankl actually had to go through these hurdles through his life. Like he was a Jew and he had to live through the Nazi occupation and the concentration camp. He had all this research done apparently before all this happened, but all of it got lost during this. And in a way, his desire to publish his work kept him going. Even during the time he was in the camps, he had this thing to look forward to and that gave him the drive to keep writing his ideas on scraps of paper still. And he did make it out. And I know this is not the only reason people would make it, but given that two people are in the exact same situation, whether one has a reason to live or not, I think makes a big, big difference. Yeah, you're right. Now that you put it that way, I think that does make sense. Because a lot of what drives us is our purpose or something to look forward to. Yeah. There's another therapy that's mentioned in the book, which is called Morita therapy. And it is basically related to accepting your feelings, being in the present and doing what you should be doing. And in the process, it helps you to discover your life's purpose. And I think I have just been doing that. I mean, I haven't found my life purpose yet, but I think we'll get there slowly. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the idea, I guess, that accepting our feelings and being mindful and present will help process us things and figure ourselves out. Doing that, we can actually answer the questions that will help us discover our ikigai. Like, what makes us enjoy doing something so much that we forget what worries we have? When are we the happiest? While I'm saying that, I wonder if my ikigai is reading. Do you think we are inching closer to our ikigai with our podcast? <laughs> actually you know when people used to talk about their talents and in my mind I used to think I only really have just one talent which is reading <laughs> I just love reading that. I'm with you on that 
and then last year you know i just started to think like how i can use this talent of reading because if you're reading a lot of books there has to be a way of putting those ideas that you get through books outside and then you know i think we discussed about a podcast and that's how it came into being so yeah i think we might have taken the first step towards our ikigai hopefully and you know what like you said i also thought the same thing like i read a lot i'm just consuming all this what am i producing from it right i told myself i should start writing something about what i learned from a book what my thoughts are or even reviews but i never had that drive to go actually do it but this podcast now feels so much different from that like i don't force myself to do this yeah exactly so i think that's where we are finding a state of flow yes flow is another concept that has been mentioned in ikigai and to put it simply i would say that it's that zone that you are in when you're enjoying what you are doing while your brain is still challenged and you're still in a mode of problem solving or learning something new that you feel you're activated mentally in the book they mention like seven conditions for achieving this kind of flow where you're so engrossed in your activity that you're doing that you don't feel like doing anything else and i think one of the conditions is being free from distraction and i feel this is so important nowadays distractions are everywhere around us social media distractions especially are the worst i know <laughs> i think we talked about this right how i downloaded tiktok and for one entire day i didn't do anything but watch those videos and i feel like that is the biggest distraction i can think of in like recent times for me because i turned all other notifications and i have been to tame those but tiktok was like this new beast that it consumed 24 hours for me so i didn't do that i totally agree with you tiktok is consuming me slowly and i can't do anything about it <laughs> <laughs> you can and, delete the app you can chat you can do it and i also like the statement having a clear objective is important to achieve flow but we also have to know how to not obsess about it so basically the idea is to challenge yourself without getting bored or without getting anxious and i think it resonates with me so much because sometimes i am thinking about how i could do what i want to do but then i'm also you know in this mindset where i start to obsess over it and i get like demotivated by it like i could do so many things and then i'm in this kind of place where i am concentrating very much into what i want to do but suddenly i'm like okay so how can i make this better how can i do more in this and then you just get demotivated so i think this this idea was great that you don't have to obsess over it yeah i think that also comes a lot from our achievement focused ways because we have all been in a way trained right you study so you could get good grades or you work hard then you get a promotion so it's very focused on a certain end goal and there hasn't been enough emphasis on enjoying learning new things like yeah. we don't hear that a lot so to actually unlearn that to be like yeah i'll achieve what i'll achieve in due time but for now let me just enjoy this yeah that's right and since we're talking about flow this book also mentions a concept called microflow which was even more interesting to me like it's a ability to turn a routine task into moments of microflow which is something we'll enjoy is key to our happiness i feel like this is much more important than finding flow in just big projects because even if you are taking on a project or not you still have to live your daily life and if we are able to plug in some moments 
of enjoyment daily our overall quality of life would be so much better yeah i don't know if you remember but the book even mentioned that bill gates also washes dishes every night and when i read that i was like i cannot picture an indian dad at that level of fame rich and success doing dishes <laughs> you're so right <laughs> not even like fame rich and success i think even middle class indian dads <laughs> well i think that's a whole different set of problems we have in our culture <laughs> that's true but what i liked about this anecdote was that yes doing dishes is a mundane task but bill gates made it into a game or a project that he tries to improve on follow certain rules for himself and he's making it a fun activity for himself and i feel like if we could have that mindset about the daily tasks that we do around ourselves we wouldn't have this bad feeling about oh my god i have to do dishes or i have to vacuum this place we could actually change our mindset a little bit and the same things can be a little more fun for us yeah you're right and also sometimes just focusing on a task that doesn't require you to think so much can be so relaxing The book talks a lot about longevity and there are also interviews with a few people who are over 100 years old. They offer a range of advice from staying busy, learning to relax, sleeping more, not eating meat. So Kathy, I wanted to ask you, how many boxes did you check off? I stopped eating meat this year. I think all of the rest of the things that I mentioned like staying busy, I was already doing that. I have started sleeping a lot and relaxing a lot since quarantine so that's a check again <laughs> so I guess I'm going to live for a long long time in case you want to change that I can send you a burger <laughs> no thanks I want to live but in all seriousness I felt all of this advice was very vague there's so much focus on the fact that lifestyle choices decide who lives longer but I think there is more to it like your genetics or just the randomness of the universe I could go out for groceries and be in a road accident. So I don't think me sleeping more or not eating meat would help me there. Yeah. Personally I think I don't fixate on longevity too much and I believe that it's more about the quality of life you have versus the length of life. But one thing that I really liked they mentioned was the value of community when it comes to old age especially. For my own parents I sometimes feel that now they might be a little lonely that we all kids have moved out and i also feel like indian parents don't put any effort in making their own hobbies yeah they don't i don't think if there is even a concept of hobbies in india especially for our parents yeah. generation i think community plays such a huge role in happiness but i also think that it's not only during old age i think even at our age we also look for social connections and we do look for broadening our community and i just think in countries like india community is just organically growing for you but it's not so much here in the us like in india your yeah, friends with your neighbors they would come in the evening and sit with you for no reason but here it's not like that at all yeah you're right you know what exactly the thing that you mentioned that neighbors will just come over for no reason and you'll hang out is a thing that i feel is so dangerous in india right now with the whole coronavirus thing going on right people are still like hanging out with each other they just still going to over to their neighbors to stay high because it's so ingrained in the culture that they feel the other person will be offended if we didn't do that and yeah i was talking to my parents about a similar thing and they were like 
how can we say no to a person who has come to our house <laughs> apart from this situation i feel like the strength of community is great and the way it can be easily built back home is so much different from how it is here we are joining all these meetup groups relying on our friends to introduce us to their friends so we can build our circles i know and like i have made so much effort in the past two years to make friends here and <laughs> it's not easy and i'm not even an introvert like i like to go and meet people i am an extrovert i thrive on social connections but even then it has been so difficult yeah it's just a immigrant life in a way right that you have such a small group of people here and then you don't see them organically even celebrations are just weird here like we don't have any off for diwali or any other festival that we might celebrate so there's no way for us to see that community like in india i remember you go to market a month before diwali you'll see all this festivity going on i think that is why so many indians or like even so many immigrants right they first move to the us and they go into depression i personally have dealt with the loneliness and the sadness of you know having no one around for a very long time and when i talked about this with american friends they don't understand it and it's of course they don't understand it because their culture is actually built around staying alone starting from a very young age right they love living alone and we as immigrants we miss our community and our families and that life where we can just you know walk to anyone and and they would be ready to talk to us or you know listen to us and stuff like that one thing is that american culture is very individualistic as opposed to our is very community based right and secondly i also feel like even the people think they are very individualistic here they still probably take it for granted that their families are just a few hours away so if they are going through a rough phase they can just go home so soon not like us waiting for the right visa conditions or like and all that and by the time you figure all of it out you're like okay why even bother Let's just stay here. <laughs> I know. So after the role of community, they discussed the longevity diet. Reading about the food was actually making me sad here. So much of the focus was on fresh food, whether it's fruits, vegetables, or even meat. And I kept thinking that we live in this country with highly processed and frozen food, and we are so far away from the fresh food that. all i can think of right now is moving some place where this is not the reality of the food that i consume yeah you're right i mean i'm sick of frozen food so much but <laughs> but that's the only option that we have left unless you know we want to cook like real indian food that's different but otherwise like there's so much frozen food all around us yeah i mean it's a choice right either you slave 2 3 hours in kitchen or you just eat junk there's like right. no in between yeah and i feel a part of it goes to our indian diet as well like it's not one of those easy diets i sometimes make tacos and i always realize how little time it took me to make those as opposed to if i was making like a sabji roti and like a typical indian food right yeah but it's still hard still so much of the food we get here is not good quality like the meat i don't know how long that has been in the frozen section who knows where it's coming from with all the steroids and what not 
I know. I have actually stopped eating meat because of this reason. Like I watched a documentary on Netflix and they talked about the same thing and then I'm like I don't want to do this to my body. I know it's it's really scary. <laughs> I I think a good thing for me is I never was a big meat eater like very occasionally I would eat. So I feel better about that part at least. Right. Obviously since we're talking diet we have to talk about exercise as well. Yes. They mentioned in the book that the people who live the longest are not the ones who do the most exercise. but rather the one to move the most in a way that was surprising to me because this diet culture and this fitness culture will not ever address that they will mainly talk about how hard you should work out in that one hour but after reading this i was like that's not going to undo the damage that we do by sitting all day right so much of our job and our lifestyle is around sit either sitting on your desk chair and then you transfer to couch that's it right I don't know what I was listening to or maybe I was reading a book or something and that mentioned that a lot of people in New York the lifestyle that they adopt is actually healthier than the lifestyle that we have in California because in New York people are like moving a lot you know without any effort like every day they have to take public transport so they have to like walk from their home to the public transport and then you know they don't have a lot of people don't have cars so they walk a lot and that is a much healthier lifestyle than what we do in california because in california we take cars a lot and we are just going from one place to another in a car and we are sitting all the time and also we all have sedentary lifestyles so sometimes you, you know you're just sitting on a chair all day long and that is why i think just going to a gym and working out for one hour has become such a huge culture yeah you're right that one hour of gym is probably still better than zero movement on that note I personally really felt good that in the exercise section there was a lot of mention of indian things like with yoga and then also specifically sun salutations or surya namaskars yeah i saw that and you know i love surya namaskars i used to do 108 surya namaskars every day back in college and i sometimes yeah and i sometimes wow. still do it Actually very interestingly surya namaskars are harder to do than a one hour of exercise that i do in my gym you know since we're talking about all this exercise of movement when i was reading this i saw a post somewhere that mentioned how we now as humans have lost the skill to sit on our two feet like in a squat position and just balance our bodies in that way it made me think that if you go to india and see especially in villages if you see old people they can still sit like that on yeah. their two feet i've seen old women sit like that and cut vegetables no need for a chair or a seat or anything right and if you look at our parents generation everybody has knee problems i'm sure we also are headed the same direction of course we are every exercise that i have done or every exercise routine that i have done tries to incorporate squats and I get tired in just like 20 squats and I'm like I can't do it after <laughs> this like I'm so done. So yeah, I think there is something wrong with our fitness or our bodies now. Now, let's talk about why Ikigai gets brownie points from us. First of all, I love that Ikigai took such a complex task of finding a purpose and explained it in such an easy way that is so enjoyable to read because yeah it's re- really easy to read and you would imagine that 
this task of finding a purpose would be so difficult and this book would you know get it so wrong all the time but this book i think it gets it right in a way secondly i also love that they focus on finding a purpose but they also said that the whole point to living your life is not to worry about it i am someone who has obsessed over finding their purpose for so long and i have realized that ikigai is just like love you know like finding a purpose is just like love you won't find it if you're obsessing over it so just put your head down relax and just keep doing the things that you like to and this is my biggest takeaway from the book i like that i think my favorite part and my brownie point comes from the interviews they did with 100 people there were a lot of common themes like not to worry cultivate good habits nurturing friendships living a unhurried life being optimistic but reading those interviews was easily my favorite part even if you don't want to read the entire book i would say get the book just to read these anecdotes chapter 6 nobody should miss it yeah i agree one thing that i did not like and i have to take away one brownie point for that is that i didn't understand the obsession over longevity of life and i found that a lot of that stuff was repetitive in a sense that i had read about these things or knew about some of these things maybe my expectations also played a role because i was hoping this book will somehow move me an inch closer to my ikigai but looks like i'm on my own <laughs> so this was our discussion on the book ikigai by hector garcia we definitely encourage you guys to pick it up It's an easy and interesting read and gives you a lot to think about. And in the end, I'll just read a short poem from the book for you. To keep healthy and have a long life, eat just a little of everything with relish. Go to bed early, get up early, and then go out for a walk. We live each day with serenity and we enjoy the journey. To keep healthy and have a long life, we get on well with all of our friends. spring summer fall winter we happily enjoy all the seasons the secret is to not get distracted by how old the fingers are from the fingers to the head and back once again if you keep moving with your fingers working 100 years will come to you thank you for listening to this episode of brown girls read podcast if you like what you hear please leave us a five star rating and a comment You can support us at anchor.fm/browngirlsread/support. Your support will allow us to continue this podcast and bring more episodes to you. Also, don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Instagram, Brown Girls Read Pod. And if you have book recommendations for us, you can leave us a comment or message on Instagram. For our next episode, we are reading a collection of short stories, Difficult Women by Roxane Gay. We hope you'll be reading with us and until then Keep listening.